All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. Now, here's a subject matter we don't traverse too much into, but today we're going to take a bit more of a deep dive into it. So, you know, we all focus on the potential and the benefits and the, you, you could almost say the great super magnet of what draws people into blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, and just Web3 as a whole. But we seldom talk about some of the underlying ingredients, the philosophies and metaphysics behind a lot of this as to what makes it work, why it draws people into this, and in fact, why in many ways this type of philosophical model of values should actually be like the foundation of this greater type of house we're all trying to build. So I'd like to introduce to you all today a very, very awesome guest, the Wizard of Haas, Haas Terry of Love NFT. Haas, thank you very much for coming on to the show today. Thanks for having me. That was a great uh, intro. <laughs> oh, thank you. Appreciate that. So before we get, uh, before we deep dive too deeply, let's, uh, let's provide a little preamble for a lot of this. So can you talk about Love NFT first? Um, how you got into that project, what you're working on, and what are some of the goals you plan on hitting? Great question. Um, yeah, Love NFT was birthed um, purely from the, the purpose side of, of blockchain. Um, specifically, uh, I had a PPC agency for 10 years that uh, basically collapsed during the pandemic due to 60% uh, of uh, my businesses small businesses uh, no longer needing marketing services during the pandemic, <clears throat> which prompted um, me to say to my wife, uh, hey, we're going to uh, put this company on ice uh, to get ahead of this issue right. to create uh, crypto capital for small businesses. Um, you know, during 2020, when this happened, uh, we saw the greatest surge of wealth in our lifetime. And I was trying to figure out why uh, crypto wasn't used to uh, bail out small businesses in the event of needing uh, pandemic relief capital. Um, so right. it prompted uh, me to tell my wife, uh, we're, we're going to start a, um, a blockchain nonprofit to create a solution to this problem. And that solution ultimately was Love NFT, uh, being that, you know, you NFTs and, and um, just the NFT technology of blockchain allows um, small businesses to onboard to um, to blockchain fairly easy in a way of uh, de-commerce is the new e-commerce. You know, um, businesses now have the ability to tokenize their services and products in a way never, you know, in, a, in an ability that has never been um, done before to, uh, you know, uh, onboard or usher in this new digital economy in a way that's comparable to uh, e-commerce. Very well said. You know, was was uh, you know based on all that, and you know, you raised some excellent points, and you provided some really like great backstory in that. But um, did you feel, or did you spot out there was some sort of like overwhelming theme of certain groups got a got a golden parachute, others didn't, and perhaps uh, that golden parachute's been going to the wrong parties. Let's say between right. like two thousand eight and then kind of what we saw during the pandemic. Yeah, um, you know. It's funny that being in the digital marketing space for for close to 20 years now, I watched history repeat itself. Uh, 
in, in comparison to uh, NFTs are the new digital marketing. You know, digital marketing is going to uh, evolve into NFT marketing, <clears throat> but we're seeing the same the same um, uh, rollout of uh, small businesses. Every business will utilize NFTs, whether they know it or not right now. And this is what happened with the early ages of uh, digital marketing. Um, most companies didn't believe in it. There was a lack of trust. There was a lack of understanding. Um, few people got it, you know, and the, and the people who got it were able to kind of get ahead of the, the curve. But there was a lot of uh, bad players or uh, market manipulation um, because yeah. a few people learned the lingo and they manipulated small businesses or took advantage of them in a way where they knew that if if I could sell them on this new um, way of ushering uh, or, or way of drawing in business, then I could yeah. capitalize off of it without fully understanding it. So, you know, uh, we're at that same space with NFTs um, now. You know, a lot of people are seeing that this is the next wave and every business will need it. People are learning the lingo, but they're not learning it fully. They're learning it just enough to potentially sell a company or an existing client on it. And we have to kind of uh, create the educational awareness to, to make sure that this space or uh, this new technology doesn't get tainted in a way of digital marketing. Um, yeah. We're seeing it and uh, trust why specifically. Yeah. And uh, to say the least, this is supposed to be kind of both a, a sword and a shield for small businesses, especially like, you know, needing liquidity, you know, during these bad times. And, you know, like you said, there is there's a noticeable pattern for this. I think in the past 30 years, there is a clear, you know, pattern to a lot of this. And, you know, I think if any of us were to turn on, you know, the usual the usual news and maybe some of the big players what are many detractors or critics of nfts getting wrong about nfts because i think there's this dialogue out there okay yeah it's for you know making art and but you know there's also a lot of scams there i think there's a lot of scams in anything you know so to say but there are there is a dialogue that is quite dismissive about nfts and to an extent that does exist within the web3 blockchain you know space as well so maybe to kind of help illuminate some of this. What do you think people get wrong about NFTs? Great question. Uh, I, I think that we, we have witnessed for the last two years theories of how it will be used. And <clears throat> ideally, how this will all play out is every form, every digital, every physical asset will become a digital asset. But every way that we currently communicate in regards to digital uh, files or anything that's currently being utilized in a digital format will evolve into the new format of the NFT. So, you know, I think the, the easiest way to explain it is it's just another format. The same way that you can change the format from a JPEG to a PNG or right. a PNG to another file or extract the file, uh, extract the format. You know, it's just a, another level of, uh, of file storage. So, you know, if you can imagine anything in the digital form currently on Web 2 will evolve into Web 3 in the form of an NFT. So I guess that's, that's the best way to uh, explain how this will all play out. But it's the ultimate level of security, meaning that you yeah. own it in your wallet. So you no longer are uploading this file to a cloud or a third party that's hosting or storing your file and charging you a reoccurring fee to host your file 
that you supposedly own is stored yeah. in your crypto wallet and you make one payment or you pay um, a fraction of the cost to to host your file that you own so right. this is another level of um of uh ownership and ideally you know everything that you own will be stored in your crypto wallet that only you have the keys to so yeah. you know we've been on blockchain we've been utilizing this technology it's just that these companies have not told us that because if you educate the the end user to them using this technology it, it they have to inform you about the benefits they have to inform you about the the, the costs have changed we're still right. getting charged old fees for mm -hmm. new technology right that, you know if you send a million dollars today it's it's a penny it doesn't matter how much you send right but we have this this um <clears throat> miscommunication of you know they're they're using this technology but they're not informing us because we are paying these old fees so you know once everybody wakes up and realizes uh that this technology they've always been using it even though they're currently in fear of it you know it's gonna it's gonna be a new awakening of uh consciousness to uh who who you really trust right and you know you know i think you know just from you know watching the news like you know you hear about every few years that certain banks find themselves in like these class action lawsuits for these like various hidden fees or these various kind of so-called almost like hidden in the background type of recurring fees that people don't right. really notice at first or even notice for a long time and then it seems like when the feet are held to the fire um there ends up being like a very strong legal basis and then that's how you hear about these class action lawsuits and Right. You know, I think and I think often a lot of people end up get, kind of getting those little postcards in the mail about it, you know, so to say, and not to name any names, of course. <laughs> but, you know, you know, one of the things that stood out was this, you know, I think if you were to include the past two years of the pandemic and even a little bit before, you know, I, I think we all here in the U.S. like to celebrate upward mobility. And I can't think of an industry where that is as strong these days than in blockchain, Web3 and crypto, where you have essentially people becoming wealthy almost overnight, maybe not overnight, but within a very short period of time because they have an idea. You know, they went to bat, they swung for the fences, you know, and it worked, so to say. So to think that if, if that's kind of the overall theme in the United States, you know, the American dream, as we call it, you know, going for it, so to say, why isn't that celebrated as, as much? Because I would think this, if we're talking about all the problems with inflation and student loans and the economy, well, people that are becoming self-made millionaires overnight, that actually solves the problem over time. Like when you have people who essentially are able to take an idea, make money out of it, these are going to be the people who are going to be stimulating the economy. So why is it that there is an un, almost like a unfair amount of coverage, whether it's the lack of coverage or almost like, well, they're probably involved in something really shady at the moment? What are your thoughts on that? Because like I said, I would think that this is something that should be celebrated across the board, you know? Yeah, um, that's a great, great topic of conversation because, you know, the belief system, I think it's it's a level of awakening that's happening in, in this world. And I think as a collective consciousness, you know, I, I explain that blockchain is, is just a level of consciousness. And as more people awaken, will they see that there's a solution to this problem of um, our previous belief system of 
you needed this to get that. You needed right. an investment to obtain this. If you didn't have an investment, you couldn't launch a successful project. Um, that belief system no longer exists. You know, in the case of NFTs, there's been collections that, you know, um, amassed trillions of dollars, you know, in a yeah. fraction of the time of a Fortune 100 company. Um, you yeah. know, we're seeing this new age of uh, belief system that, you know, ideally when we, when we went to school, we were told if you didn't uh, obtain a master's, you couldn't make this much. If you didn't obtain a doctor's, you couldn't make this much. That no longer exists. You know, you can make six figures selling NFTs. You can make 7000 a month. You know, the average seller at one time on OpenSea was making 7000 a month selling NFTs with no degree. No yeah. overhead fees. This is e-commerce, you know. Yeah. So this is a new way of doing business that the masses are not aware of, <clears throat> you know. Yeah. And in the event of um, inflation in, in the current state of our economy, you would think more education would be uh, uh, more people would uh, spend money to inform people about this new economy or this new digital economy, and we're starting to see. Um, everything unravel and people reveal their true colors about, you know, are they really for the people or are they for profit? Because, you know, in the event of a lot of these traditional companies not being able to capitalize off of blockchain, they're not teaching people about these, this new age way of making money because it doesn't benefit them. Yeah. So, you know, now we can see who's really for, you know, the people or for this humanity overall is because as you mentioned, there's just a new way to uh, earn and it's going to boil down to who's for the betterment of uh, us moving forward as humanity and who's for, you know, this profit system that is currently sinking, you know? Right. So I think as, as, <clears throat> as the problem with Web3 is that they try to onboard the masses from profit and in the event of uh, a lack of trust in finances and technology, two of the hardest things for the masses to comprehend, you know, when you're you're leading or you're selling somebody on something they don't they're uncertain about, they're not going to invest in it, you know. So I think any purpose pro any purpose uh, project is going to attract the masses when it's it's led by how can you solve something in the real world. How can we utilize this technology to fix something that's broken, like the rental crisis? Like, right. you know, th these these current real world issues that Web3 is not focused on. Web3 is trying to onboard people to the metaverse, but people are trying trying to pay their bills. You know, there's a disconnect. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I came across this quote from a philosopher one time, but it goes along the line like this. And I'm paraphrasing this. The easiest way to rob from the middle class is to have them fight each other. So, you know, thinking about that quote, I thought, well, when did all of this start? So one of the things that came to mind was 1971, when under the Nixon administration, the U.S. was no longer on the gold standard. And I believe that's essentially the beginning of almost like you could say the debt standard, as some, as right. some may call it. So I, I kind of wonder, let's say taking it back from 1971 till now, obviously, you know, debt securities, um, are in maybe in one ways an attractive way to expand the economy in the short term, but it seems like in practice over you could say 50 years so 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 far it actually removed 
a lot of liquidity from the economy. So what happens when you remove liquidity? People get desperate. People face more hard times. We face these more unstable type of economic patterns, you know, so to say as well. And, you know, it seems like not every country has removed the gold standard. And in fact, uh, you know, other, other countries, in fact, buy up gold in large volumes. That actually includes countries like China, uh, you know, so to say. Um, what do you think is going on? And do you think that was like a philosophical move as far as imposing some kind of new structure on society? Because it seems very peculiar because gold is since the beginning of time in any given continent, a valuable commodity that more or less kind of maintained value and also prevented a lot of things like inflation. If you have like commodities like gold backing up, let's say whatever trade, whatever you're trading, bartering the currency, it makes things pretty baseline, which is, which is good. And then I think to myself, okay, so now we're, so now since 71, we've become a debt security kind of economy that is going to make people handcuffed, especially to the uncertain bad economic times more so than liberating. I know I kind of went in the rabbit hole there, but you know, I know we like to get into these things. What are your thoughts on that? That's a, definitely a rabbit hole question. I think, you know, as I mentioned, we're starting to see who's for purpose and who's for profit. You know, ideally, a lot of investors have bet against the people and have bet against this economy going sour. And then, yeah. uh, you know, um, Obama, Bill Gates, you know, numerous uh, high level profile figures have uh, elaborated and explained in different ways that 60% of our workforce is going to be replaced by AI and and ideally NFTs um, in the event of the economy crashing. So um, at what point do we inform people of this new digital economy, a new way of earning? Because we all have to evolve with this technology. We all have to keep up. If you don't keep up, you're going to be left behind. And in the event of being left behind, it's going to result in debt. It's going to result in you not able to uh, evolve your business. And I think that's the hardest thing for uh, small business owners is keeping up with this new technology in the event of still having to run your business. You know, your only solution at that point is to be reliant or trust a third party to help you out. And, you know, I think the most frustrating thing uh, me and my wife were discussing during the pandemic was, these companies lack a heart. You know, at what point do we say we can suspend your payments for this software, this hosting right. company, or this this um, this overhead to run your business to help you out? You know, there wasn't enough help being done for small businesses, which resulted in a lot of them closing doors um, right. because this makes small businesses reliant on having to find a job now. So right. this ultimately benefits the, the traditional corporations that want to rem- uh, stay in power and to stay in control of this economy. When we're 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 um, onboarding to a, a economy that runs itself, that no longer right. has a middleman, that has a, a new trust system that evolves how we do business in the peer-to-peer fashion, versus a a, a middleman being involved in every transaction. So. Right. There's a lot of people in power that don't want this new economy to take place. So they're trying to sustain and prolong, you know, this technology being ushered into the masses. So there's a lot of uh, conflicts of interest in regards to uh, certain 
bigger brands patenting this technology to keep it from the people. Um, there's just a lot of um, conflicts of interest, uh, to say the least, when it comes to um, our ability to realize that we can create, uh, we all can have wealth. You know, yeah. this belief system of your limitation, as Kanye would say, your ceiling of how much you can make no longer exists because Web3 is kicked down that door of how much you can earn or how much an NFT is worth, right. how much something can sell for. Those ceilings no longer exist. You know, it's kind of parallel to art. It's based off of the the valuation of the, the buyer. You know what I mean? Right. There's no ceiling of what somebody would pay for an NFT. And that's the hardest thing for us to realize is that, as you mentioned, um, our currency once being backed by gold, we never had true uh, valuation system, a model that was utilizing the technology to uh, evaluate what something was worth. Um, prior to Web3, if somebody said this house was seven, $7 million, and if somebody was good enough to sell somebody on that belief that this house is worth $7 million and somebody buys it for $7 million, it's worth $7 million, you know, but right. that still was never backed by anything that universally you know, somebody in Australia could say, oh, yeah, that's worth seven million. We never had that type of valuation model that we right. have today with blockchain technology. So this changes our world of of, of value. So this is like uh, what I explained is a great reset of of our economy, because now we have an evaluation model to base everything on every every asset will be valued based off of blockchain technology, you know, either auction purchased or you know, uh, you know, a public ledger that utilizes a, a way that me and you can see, okay, somebody paid for this, somebody bid on this, somebody's willing to pay X amount of money for this. Um, you know, we, this is kind of like a new way of, um, of agreeing on what something is worth because a lot of our current um, physical assets are overvalued. And in the event of this market of inflation, it goes up. But then yeah. certain things don't need to go up. Certain things need to go down. Everything just goes up, you know, but everything but our wages, everything but our salary. So the my solution to um, to uh, fixing this wage system is backing our services by NFTs because now right. we can see what our services are worth now. You know, we can see what our products are worth and our services. We right. only really discuss what products are worth, but in the need of, you know, new services and new ways to sell services, we can now evaluate what a position or a role or, you know, kind of um, uh, somebody's services is worth uh, in contributing to a project and contributing to, you know, whatever uh, use case now. So it's just overall a great time to um, reassess our, our value, our broken value system. Right. So, you know, with, with Love NFT, you can essentially have, let's say, the value of that NFT almost be like the underlying asset for like an economy, for like the collateral, so to say. And from that, you can kind of create liquidity, so to say, for small businesses who really need to, you know, who are really trying to pick themselves up and are really trying to, you know, survive, so to say. And right. it seems like, I think this is abundantly clear to all of us, that was certainly an unmet need over the past, you know, few years as well. And I think like you, I don't, I wouldn't expect, let's say, um, to be this huge 
endorsement of, let's say, status quo industries. Oh yeah, let's have crypto come in. Let's help. Let's help that segment of industry out. Actually, right. in fact, a lot of the reporting was quite the opposite of that during the past two years. You know, as you know, as uh, you know, as well. You know, one of the striking things I noticed, and I think like many, and you're based in New Orleans, is that correct? Uh, yeah, currently. Right. So like, um, I think like, like in New York City and like down there, some of the best places to, to grab a bite to eat are like the hole in the wall restaurants. You know, the ones that like, you know, that are kind of modest, but everybody knows about them. Everybody knows about them. When, you know, middle of 2020 to like, let's say the middle of 2021, you know, walking around the city, this could be midtown, uptown, downtown. Uh, what I saw was as far as small businesses, all boarded up, shut down, out of business. But I saw the big players still open for business with the lights on, still doing well and whatnot. So it seemed to me like, is this a controlled demolition of sorts? Because like, you know, I walk, I walk into town. It's almost like, don't mind me. I like to use movie references. It's like I Am Legend. It's like Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, Road Warrior. It's like Book of Eli. You walk down the street, it's like, what the hell is this? Is this a Hollywood set or is this right. is this real life right now? And, you know, um, you know, I saw, you know, the usual places, the usual fast food kind of places open. They're fine. And then I see places I used to go to done, you know, they're 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 gone, they're gone so to say. So I kind of wonder. There is a philosophical, some sort of social contract group of values that's clearly missing because you know, at the end of the day, in any given community, it's going to be the small businesses where you celebrate, you know, your graduations, your weddings, you know, when there's, you know, when, whenever like a child is born, like these are the things people go to. These are the things that people will, you know, invest in, you know, their time and their money. You know, um, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be per se at McDonald's, you know, small businesses in those small restaurants. These are people, you know, these are people you see very frequently and often these are kind of the places that where whenever there's big or special events they bring people together right. you know so it kind of seems like okay so is there, is there going to be a situation where this is going to be one less pillar in the community for people when you get rid of these type of small businesses because it's like so people are going to be separate where are they going to celebrate like christenings when are they going to celebrate anniversaries when are they going to celebrate graduations and it's like no one knows yeah, that's a great, great, great segue. You know, one of the companies that I had prior to um, the pandemic was a, a photo booth company. It was the number one photo booth company in Atlanta. And it just, um, it, it crippled the industry. It yeah. crippled the, the photo booth industry and event industry. Um, as you mentioned, um, for birthdays, for, you know, those small occasions uh, locally. And, you know, one of the, mind-blowing things I noticed uh, uh, in 2020, I, I relocated to Mexico um, to kind of figure out how to explain this technology to a third world country yeah. in the event of, you know, uh, a event of a small businesses that never really onboarded to Web2. How do you explain this technology? I think offline, this was the disconnect. You know, everybody in the Web3 bubble got it. You know, they were informed about it. They figured it out. But my goal was to explain this or onboard to a, a company, specifically an NFT art gallery that we onboarded that started a year ago as an art gallery. And this painter 
uh, didn't know about NFTs, but when I informed him about this new evaluation system, how he can earn more money for his painting, um, and I explained it in the form uh, analogy of energy, of you know, as holders, you know, when holders have a certain frequency of energy, the value accumulates in, in the event of this bear market. When fear is infused in the holders, it devalues the currency. This is kind of like the, the simplest explanation or sp spiritual element to blockchain is not really being discussed. Everything's technology, but this is all just a level of consciousness. But with that said, the, the most mind-blowing thing I noticed was this COVID pandemic didn't affect Mexico, didn't affect businesses in the way it did America um, because there's this um, competitive uh, nature that exists here where profit ideally divided us. You know, we were all competing for profit. We're all competing and undercutting people. You have small businesses undercutting each other. And then you have bigger businesses uh, ideally bidding on the same keywords and bidding on the same um, buyer or traffic as the small businesses, which is the conflict of interest. Um, right. You know, I was running PPC campaigns for bigger businesses that were, well, small businesses that were competing with Amazon and Etsy for the same keywords. So, you know, this goes to show you that the bigger businesses don't want the smaller businesses to exist. They just want them to show them how to uh, or, or provide them with the data or analytics to attract their customers so they can take them away from them, ideally, to the bigger brands. So, as you mentioned, there's there's a system that's broken here in, in America when it comes to our economy and, and fair business that benefits right. everybody. In certain countries, there's there's uh, ethics that exist that you don't take away jobs or you don't take away business from uh, somebody else that you that you know personally. There's this cold, you know, uh, lack of heart, lack of love that exists in in our economy here, yeah. where it's like, you know, you get numb to the big big fish uh, swallowing the small fish. And that small fish ultimately is is the small town business, local business, mom and pop shops are losing all their customers to these bigger brands. So, right. you know, this kind of led over, you know, the last 20 plus years has led to this economy breaking, this economy model just, you know, uh, leading to the pandemic, it broke. You know, it's like the levees in, in New Orleans and, and now we have ushered in this new economy and these small businesses don't know how to onboard there's a lack of education to, okay, how do I relaunch my business? Or how do I onboard my business? Because nobody's explaining this this uh, this new way of using NFTs or using crypto to create capital. So ideally, this is where our blockchain nonprofit comes in to help businesses for free uh, usher or, or, or onboard to blockchain without the fees or, you know, this, uh, this, this buy-in of something right. they're unsure with. So I think that we're, uh, we're, we're witnessing a new economy, but this economy is an even playing field, meaning that if you have a great NFT or you have a great product or art, you can compete with the big time players. You can compete with, you know, the, the bigger Fortune 100 companies in a way um, that we never had this, this level of playing field before uh, Web3. Very well said. And, you know, I want to bring up, uh, you know, another another point to you, and I wanted to see where your thoughts were on this. So 
I came across a study um, last year, and I think the numbers are probably different now, but I came across a study last year of areas of the world that have the highest daily crypto volume per day. Among the top ones in the list, it was, it was Ukraine, it was Kenya, it was Peru and the Philippines. I have various friends and colleagues from all those areas. So, you know, seeing that, I like to ask, what is, what is going on in your neck of the woods where people are, let's say, more engaged in this, participating in this a lot more versus, let's say, the first world, so to say? You know, because I was very curious about this, so to say, because you would think that, okay, first world countries are just going to adopt this way faster. So in Nigeria and in, and in Ukraine, especially Ukraine prior to the war, people were using crypto apps uh, on a daily basis, widely, to like, you know, just buy things, you know, whether it's groceries, whether it's anything, people were sending money back and forth. Like it was its own like parallel economy, so to say. Over here, not so much, at least not yet anyway. But I ask everybody, what's going on where everybody is seemingly jumping into this and using it already? And what they all told me in different ways was this. Whenever there's a catastrophe or whenever, you know, so to say the shit hits the fan, the first things that close are the banks. So when people are trying to run to the bank and get their money out, they can't. And, you know, by the way, not to put all of that on the bank, but that's just kind of like the pattern of history, so to say, you know. So what they said is that people, people where we are are more open to that because of kind of the lessons of history, so to say. You know, what happens when something really bad happens? And I think we all saw during the during the uh, beginnings of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, people were able to send crypto like crazy to right. Ukrainians over there, you know, because they were locked out of their bank accounts and they couldn't, you know, and they couldn't, um, you know, couldn't get things as well. And, um, you know, it kind of, it kind of makes me wonder as far as, you know, the values and kind of where the, where the road is going to, you know, eventually lead, but it kind of seems like this, um, are we going to reach a point where forces that be are going to be like, you can't have it both ways. You either have traditional finance in the institutions or you have crypto. Or do you think there could be some sort of coexistence between two of those? Because it seems like on one hand, some banks, some of the big players are trying to adopt it, so to say, you know, to be fair. On the other hand, there is a big status quo segment that does not want to see this work. So I'm kind of wondering... Can these two, in a, both a philosophical and physical sense, actually coexist and help each other out? Or is it going to kind of be like, a, I don't know, like a David and Goliath type of thing for, for a while? A great, great uh, question. I made a video about that uh, specific topic. Awesome. In the event of, you know, I think the, the biggest disconnect with uh, this new currency system is that 90% of our currency is already digital. And... We never really learned what currency was. We just trusted the process. We just trusted the system. We didn't trust. We, we didn't have uh, a doubt or fear in it enough to want to learn it or master it. Yeah. We just thought it was it was going to work forever. You know, we, we didn't have the, the classes in high school about finances. We didn't have the kind of uh, the education, the same educational awareness that we had with history and all these other courses that we felt like we'd never need in the future. The most important right. one we needed was currency. So when it comes to relearning this new currency, 
a lot of us never learned it from the beginning. So it's a lot of it's overwhelming for, for the masses to kind of um, be open-minded to this new currency system. And I think in regards to what happened in Ukraine specifically is that they woke up to realize that they had no access to their money, you know, and in the event of um, that playing out, that could happen to any country, any given moment, any given time. You know, I don't think that um, in the event of the U.S. adapting digital currency that we're going to get a heads up, that we're going to get a notification, an email to say, hey, we're going to switch over <laughs> right. or this currency is going to right. collapse, but this bank is not going to be open tomorrow morning, so get yeah. all the money out right now. And, you know, as a result of that, uh, ultimately, currency started as a barter system, and that's when it was fair. That's the only time yeah. it really worked for everybody is when you you barter bread, you barter, you know, whatever you Sauce. needed for the time being. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't stored or it wasn't um, hoarded from the people. You know, that was frowned upon. And I think once that became normal to to uh, to hoard the abundance of it in the event of other people needing it, that's when it became broken. And I think universally, uh, the benefit of COVID is that it, it's a reset of our economy system, but it gave us enough time to sit back and realize that, you know, this, this economy wasn't right for us uh, spiritually. And a lot of people pivoted uh, their, their role and said it wasn't making them happy. It wasn't about the, the money at that point. People onboarded to new careers and, and left jobs. And we're seeing this epidemic now where people are quitting because it's not, it's not energetically uh, benefiting them. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think, the the way I explained the 2020 surge in wealth when it came to NFTs was artists, digital artists got a chance to do what they love for a living. Right. And until you do what you love for a living, will you unlock your infinite wealth? You know, because that passion, you know, of doing what you like love that. creates wealth. So this is currency. You know, when you're doing something you don't like on a daily basis, you're blocking your currency or you're limiting your currency. Um, which makes you miserable. So it's kind of a cycle of, of energy that you're putting out and people can feel it. And then, you know, yeah. it directly affects your finances. And I think now, you know, we had a time to rest and a time to kind of pivot um, to, to do what we love. So the importance of love NFT and, and, and me and my wife creating a blockchain nonprofit called BLKLUV was to... Um, to interject the love aspect into business and, and allow people to do what they love um, because now we can do that with NFTs. So segue back to the question of um, <clears throat> what happened in Ukraine and Russia in the event of our currency system collapsing tomorrow, right. NFTs allow us to have store value um, to um, barter in a way where NFTs can be bartered like currency because it's currency. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that ties into your original question of the misconceptions of NFTs. NFTs are currency. You know, they're backed by the the fungible token of the blockchain. And I think that there's been this um, media push of NFTs being art. It's bigger than art. You know, it's it's right. a currency system, and it's a uh, backed by uh, blockchain technology to evaluate what's the worth of that NFT. So in the event of anything collapsing or, uh, or fiat going away tomorrow, NFTs can be bartered in a, in a use case of you need this service, I need this service, let's barter this NFT. 
you know, ideally this was our pandemic relief solution with Lovative Tea to uh, back every service, food, you know, any, yeah. any industry can be backed by NFTs. And with a lot of these kind of web two issues of homelessness or rental crisis, right. these problems can, all these problems will be solved with NFTs. You know, that if in the event of um, hunger uh, anywhere around the world, um, an NFT can be airdropped to anybody who needs food and all a restaurant has to do is accept the NFT as a form of payment for an exchange for physical food. So yeah. a lot of our, our real world problems can be solved instantly. A lot of people are aware of this, but it's about who wants to move forward, who wants to present the solution to the world um, that helps people out in, in real time. Lots of impact there. It's very great points uh, raised. Uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, throw this question at you and I wanted to know your thoughts. So I guess one way to put it is like you can't unring the bell. I had I had a teacher when I was a kid used to always say that you can't unring the bell. And it seemed like a 2020. I don't know if this was some sort of mass wake up call, collective consciousness type of thing. But you saw a lot of people kind of break check themselves and say, why am I doing this? So to say, and you've seen, I think we've all seen this huge surge of entrepreneurs coming out throughout these past two years, really swinging for the fences for their own ideas. But also you've seen a mass exodus of either both layoffs and people quitting. Um, and it seems to me like this, um, up to that point, perhaps there was a structure and people played within the rules and the boundaries of that structure. But it seemed like the either the rules or restrictions were just too burdensome. People were burning out. People were not, let's say, going up the, uh, you know, people were not really being economically upwardly mobile, so to say. And people just kind of said, well, F it. You know what? I know what I like. I know what I'm gonna do. Let me give it a shot. For better or for worse. What do you think about that? No, I definitely agree. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there was a broken system that people became numb to. And I think that during the pandemic, it allowed us to really um, to, to go within and look within and say, you know, is this career or industry making me happy? You know, and I think that question being asked, you know, among humanity around the world has resulted in a shift. Um, yep. In, a, in a, a shift in our economy. And I think people are more open to change now, you know, more open to being entrepreneurs and, and kind of doing their own business, you know, and I think that is just a level of consciousness um, to onboard to Web3 because it's an independence. You know, you have to manage your own keys. You have to manage your own money, you know, manage your own assets. You know, this level of management we we've been relying on other parties to do so and i think yeah. you know in the event of comparison uh, of e-commerce to e-commerce there's no more overhead you know you no longer need to pay a hosting company uh $100 a month to host your products you know they still own your analytics you know they still yeah. own your data in the event of you not paying you don't have to pay for a domain name you know every year you don't have to pay for email software or, or traditional business web two software a month. All these fees could have been suspended, you know, during the pandemic in 2020 to uh, allow small businesses to um, keep their doors open longer. You yeah. know, as a small business owner, you know, 
this this totals to thousands of dollars a month of overhead of running the e-commerce company, yeah. you know, having to ship products and having to, you know, all this uh, traditional overhead of running the business. Um, nobody wanted to suspend these payments because these companies needed to retain uh, or generate this profit, no matter if they lost businesses or not. Um, I think it was it was very selfish in event yeah. of um, the amount of families that were affected, but nobody publicly had these conversations that there's there's families on the end of these small businesses. There's you know people that have to uh, pay rent, and this resulted in the rental crisis. Is because you know these small businesses collapsed and had a trickle effect on the communities uh, and people in real life that uh, nobody wanted to address. So we're just seeing a trickle effect of people uh, or companies not helping out or, or doing enough to help the small players because we're all players in this ecosystem. Um, right. But it's just about you know purpose at this point. And I think that now we have an opportunity to kind of usher in or create a new business model that is not about profit, it's about purpose. Um, yeah. And our motto is, is ideally uh, profit, is ideally purpose over profit because it's the reverse of the Web2 model, uh, profit profit over purpose. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just at this point, education and learning, how can we help each other out? How can we look at each other from a place of purpose versus how can I profit off of you? You know, yeah. uh, this, this, uh, this model is, is is phasing out, and I think the re, the wars and you know kind of the what we're seeing with the inflation is is the old um, system trying to hang on and, and claw and sustain its, its its existence in this new digital economy that is is bound to happen and is happening, and um, you know it can't be stopped at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, one of the major themes I picked up on that was infrastructure, you know, from, from, you know, some of the things you're hitting on. And it seems like, you know, if we're to use a historical example, the, the, the last major infrastructure revolution in the U.S. was the interstate highway system, you know, under the, under the Eisenhower administration, really connecting all parts of the country, you know, together, East Coast, West Coast, the South, Midwest. These are places you can now drive to. And it seems like in any successful era of society, you do have this kind of coalescence of people and ideas able to reach each other, so to say, able to exchange ideas. You had the Silk Road in, in ancient China. You had actually the, the road system, you know, from, you know, from, from the Romans. You had, you know, you had essentially the, the various types of uh, transportation um, systems with the ancient Egyptians, you know, stretching all over Africa and the Middle East trading spices, trading salt, trading materials and whatnot. It seemed like the Web2 internet revolution was supposed to do that, but it kind of didn't. People are kind of cloistered, so to say. But it seems like now Web3 and blockchain has done that better than many things in recent history. I mean, hell, even, even us speaking together right now, this is from essentially like a shared type of creative interest in blockchain and web3 and i noticed this across the industry this is actually a very uniting force for people bringing people from all over with different ideas um to try to do projects i see it all the time what do you think is special about this place because i would say it's almost a phenomenon right now um with the way ideas are coming to life and the way people who otherwise would not meet each other 
come together and, and do these things. What is, what's unique about, you could say the heart or the philosophical foundation of let's say people in this space where it's like, you know what, let me go outside my village. Let me, let me go outside my town. Let me go see what's in the next block. Let's see uh, who I can make friends with. Yeah, great question. I think the simplest way to explain that is blockchain is unity. You know, it's 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 funny that unity is a key element uh, as as a platform to this metaverse. You know, it's essential uh, yeah. to 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 integrate unity in our blockchain metaverse projects. But there's it's it's purely due to the word is that blockchain allows us to unify on a higher level, a higher dimension of consciousness um, that we're not. Um, we're not uh, segregated from a place of state, a state of mind, a state of right. location, physical address. That no longer divides us. So as these uh, divisions kind of um, dissolve, you know, we have to understand that the only thing that exists on blockchain is numbers. You know, there's no race, there's no creed, there's right. no sex, there's no none of those division um, division uh, terminologies that exist to divide us as humanity. Um, so it's important that we don't feed into this this um, this uh, way of controlling us on blockchain. Because right. if we no longer use these terms on blockchain, then we're no longer divided. You know, we're ideally um, just one in a sense. So if we were to all unite on blockchain and use one cryptocurrency, use one blockchain, use one format or platform, we would no longer worry about money. So at yeah. this point, it's about removing ego because the project that unites the most people will win. It's not about the, the project that gets the most uh, investment or obtains the most funding. Or, that's not how this works. This this works based off of yeah. purpose. So if we were all to collectively, you know, millions of us unite for a greater purpose, we can solve anything, you know, at this point, because this is how the metaverse works. It's, it, if, if we as a collective consciousness unite and then we put our energy towards solving this specific problem, then that problem will be solved. That's how this plays out. So, you know, we have to understand that we're still trying to be divided with this market and these coins, all right. these different kind of coins and um, people swing, swinging community to community based off of thinking that they're going to profit off this coin, then this coin goes up and it goes down. You know, Web5 is when we realize all this technology is within us. This is what Jack Dorsey is talking about. Right. Web5 is when we realize that we don't need this technology. It's all right here. You know, it's all right. in our minds. And, you know, this AR, VR, we don't need to put headsets on to see or create a new reality. We just need to manifest and tap into um, uniting because, you know, as a collective consciousness, that's how we started. We, we were divided ideally for profit. Now we're, the cycle is repeating itself and we're getting back to one, oneness. And, and that's ultimately how this will play out. Very well said. And maybe you could shed some light on this. How is it so far that Web3 and blockchain has almost kind of, almost kind of sanitized itself or protected itself from kind of the uh, typical societal polarization shit, so to say. Like, in fact, I would say from what I've seen out there, if you're the type of person who is like this very highly opinionated, highly politicized, 
highly combative person is in fact actually quite shunned in this space as well. Right. How does blockchain actually stay almost pure in the face of that as, as well? You don't see people who are like, you know, radical on either side of the spectrum trying to go in here and, and finding any type of success. It's just not working, you know. Yeah. The universe um, cleanses itself, you know, and I think, you know, with all this this money being lost in certain projects is because uh, a lot of these uh, companies are trying to recreate Web two and hoard all this crypto and and, right. and get back to this this Web two wealth system of uh, we have the most crypto, we have the most Bitcoin. This crypto is for the people. It's it's, it's meant to circulate in the currency faction of energy. You know, it's not supposed to be stored in a stagnant you know account. The universe is removing this money from these these bigger players. Um, that are not utilizing it for good, you know, and yeah, we have now the ability to help each other out in the event of somebody in any region of the world needing money. We can send it to them directly. We can airdrop money to anybody. So at this point, why do we still have um, issues with finances as a, as a world? You know, right. when we can create infinite wealth, you know, I can create currency, you know, so anybody can create currency in this space now. So it's not about a lack of anymore. It's just about how do we divvy this out or how do we give it to the people in, in need of, of, of anything, anything uh, from homelessness to rental crisis to food. Uh, anything yeah. can be purchased with crypto now. So we have the solutions to all these problems. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that comes to mind, too, like, uh, first of all, I can't remember any time in, in history where people were so naturally at each other's throats on any given day. Like, I, I remember... Just as a kid, uh, I, I don't remember people talking about politics so much. Not at all, in fact. You know, people, people, uh, I think, tended to enjoy things a bit more. You know, you know, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a young adult, whether it's a kid and whatnot. And, you know, it, it kind of makes me wonder this. You hear, let's say, people, big wigs, whether it's in D.C. or elsewhere, talk about what is constitutional. And we're going to take the politics out of this. But if let's say the United States, if we're like the inheritors of like what a great democracy is supposed to be, isn't blockchain in a decentralized system almost like the digital form of that belief? Like, shouldn't that be something that's a lot more celebrated, decentralized, empowering, you know, upward mobility, you know, equal representation, you know, having the opportunity to have a voice, you know, on, you know, let's say, let's say a digital ledger, but still, you know, like, I'm thinking to myself, this should actually be a lot more celebrated. If we're going to talk about democracy in the Constitution, many of these projects on the ledger, in fact, do a lot of that stuff better than other parts of real life, in fact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, ideally, everything would be public ledger. Everything would be public, and uh, every business would be public. It's just yeah. about who's, who's going to be the most transparent or, or uh, public business that's going to be the most trusted one. Um, yeah. You know, ideally, a lot of um, NFT projects are just using the profit side of this technology, not the transparency of how this will all play out. As you mentioned, it's voting from the beginning. Um, the way that we hire is going to change, that the NFT holders can vote on who the employees are for the project. You know, this is kind of like the level that's not being um, utilized in a lot of these projects of from the start, the community should vote on every aspect of the project. 
if the company is truly for the community. Uh, right. You know, this, this level of uh, integrating the community vote midway after the team has been hired, after the funding has been kind of dispersed or uh, utilized, um, that's when we allow the community to vote. No, like this will play out where the community votes from the start, you know, to build that trust because um, as me and you previously discussed, a lot of these rug pulls are an illusion. Um, there's this system yeah. of fear that has been um, cracking or trying to uh, trying to infiltrate Web3 to um, devalue this uh, new technology. And it's been working. This will cause the bear market. This level of fear from all these headlines of this money missing, this project rug pull, this you know, happening, but we don't get these same alerts and these same notifications every time, you know, Web2, uh, a Web2 bank account gets hacked or a debit card gets hacked. We don't get these same information or this, this notifications or these news headlines about every day there's money missing from an account on Web2. Right. We don't see that on purpose, you know, but we see it on Web3 because there's this, this fear that's still trying to prolong and, and, if we have fear as humanity, then we need a middleman. See, this is what's happening in Web3. We didn't have fear uh, two years ago with this technology. So nobody sees, like, discuss, oh, maybe we need middlemen to uh, ensure trust, or maybe we need this. Um, there's headlines today about, you know, Mark Cuban's um, uh, investment that filed bankruptcy and, and you know, caused all this uh, amount of uh, middle class to lose money. You know, we hear about these headlines, but we ultimately don't discuss this fear, love, you know, um, frequency of how currency works. It's still a lack of understanding that we just talk about the fear element, but love equates to infinite wealth. You know, this yeah. is what Tesla was able to tap into, you know, infinite currency, right. you know, and, and this only happens on a level of uh, operating in a higher dimension. Um, and the fifth dimension is where love is the only true currency. And that's where you, you no longer have to worry about a lack of or, or not having enough money or, or, you know, this is only exists in the fear frequency. You know what I mean? So as long right. as we're as humanity in a fear frequency, will we have to evaluate or will we have to worry about a lack of anything, a lack of money, a lack of, you know, and this is where we have to utilize a third party in the event of having fear. Uh, how we operate on the peer-to-peer -peer level. Because yeah. if we don't trust each other as humanity, then we need a middleman to be uh, brought in to mediate how we you know, operate our business or how we disperse our funds because we don't have trust in each other. So you know, th this is ultimately a, a bigger solution. Um, we have to trust each other. You know, and we right. have to stop feeding into these fear headlines that are being... Um, uh, invested in the middleman is invested in this this uh tainting this community and tainting right. crypto the term around the world has been tainted by the middleman who benefits from this fear you know ultimately so yeah. you have to understand who you're who you're dealing with and and as a community we have to just operate on the higher frequency of love well said so you know, based on some of the points you raised, the, the blockchain in a weird way almost kind of implies a greater trust. Because on one hand, there is no middleman, but everything is transparent on the ledger. You can't change it. You can't retroactively alter things. It's 
there. So it, it seems like there's almost this, uh, on one hand, it's almost like the benefit of the doubt. But on the other hand, there's a very, very clear, you could say, checks and balances type of tool built into this already. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in examining and reaching out to numerous uh, nonprofits, uh, initially going down this crypto rabbit holes when I realized that that system was broken. You know, that's why we didn't have trust in grants and nonprofits, right. uh, small businesses being saved by nonprofits because this this system of public ledger or, or tr uh, checks and balances didn't exist. You know, we hear about this this funding and we hear about um, these grants and, and all this uh, traditional uh, nonprofit existing, but nobody could see it. And this was probably the greatest loophole in our economy was um, yeah. nonprofits. So now with blockchain nonprofits, we can see um, where this money's going, but then we also can um, send uh, NFTs or donate crypto directly to the, the person in need without having to send it to a third party. So this just changes everything in, in regards to how we do business and how we trust each other. Because in the peer-to-peer -peer fashion, this is what Cash App is. This is what Venmo is. These are all peer-to-peer -peer blockchain, um, you know, platforms, masks, right. web two. So, right, it's just a new age, um, and it's yeah. just about informing and, and really being um, conscious of of what we're doing and how we're doing it in in, in a better way, and teaching each other and sharing this this information with each other because we all profit from it. Right, and you know, that made me think of one thing too. You know, based on what you're talking about, so. You know, at any given time, I think in business, in commerce, in economic history, if somebody can figure out how to have an unfair edge or leverage, more often than not, they tend to, you know, push that lever, so to say. And that's how you get monopolies. And that's how you get like these little mini, you know, oligarchies and cartels within business that more or less, you know, make the rules for the industry and really just kind of enrich just you and your you and your teammates, as, as they say. Do you think to an extent that blockchain kind of almost protects people from their own kind of baser, more negative instincts, so to say, in this space? Because, listen, I think any given human being is subject to those temptations, especially when it comes to money. So I'm thinking here, if there is this open ledger that anybody can see at any given time, and let's say even after the damage is done, it's automatically you know diagnosable, so to say. You know who the bad actors are. Does this kind of protect us from you know, our own, let's say, you know, worse halves of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, bad actors will always exist, but this this uh, this technology protects us because, you know, me sending money to you, to your wallet address, you know, there's no, um, there's no fear in that. You know, it's fear when you have to send it to multiple parties and you have right. to make sure that they send it to where they're, uh, right. supposedly intending on sending it, you know, in the event of a nonprofit, we've watched this uh, crisis after crisis, you know, billions of dollars get sent to a third party and only a small percentage goes to the intended recipient in the event of uh, the person in need. You know, this technology removes that, that need of having to send it to a middleman to trust that, you know, they take their portion of what they think they are entitled to and then they send the rest whenever they want to. You know, we can provide real time relief to anybody in the world 
And I think, uh, you know, there's a country that has banned that. Um, I don't recall the specific uh, country, but it was in Asia because this changes how we, this change, changes how we operate is that, you know, this, this controlling party that wants to middleman every single transaction around the world uh, to ensure that they remain in power, that they, that they have control of how this plays out. That's yeah. the ones that are, are, are dictating this fear system of uh, what if this or, you know, kind of promoting this fear to the masses so they don't want to onboard to this new economy. You know, so this is ideally what we're dealing with in the Web3 space is not it's not just the learning curve. It's the fear factor that has been shoved down our throat for 10 years. You know, and I tell everybody, yeah. Google, who owns the most blockchain patents, uh, you know, Google that term, who point, owns right? the most blockchain patents, and you'll start, to awaken, you'll start to awaken to who's behind all this uh, fear and manipulating the masses because they want to prolong their existence. You know, I don't have to say their name. All you have to do is Google it, and then you start to question, um, why are they not utilizing this in, in and, and pushing this in regards to where's your private keys at? Where's your, uh, why is the APA, uh, APY only this rate if they're using blockchain not, uh, blockchain technology in comparison to Binance uh, APY? Right. You know, you start to go down this crypto rabbit hole of, you know, why am I paying these overdraft fees if they're using this technology? So, you know, it just makes you think about who's really for your benefit, you know? Uh, and I right. think in the event of being able to manage your own assets, that's, it's the wave, you know, that's, that's really your, your financial freedom is ownership. Right. Well said. And, you know, we covered a tremendous amount of ground. So I have one more question, you know, to end on a final note. So, you know, based on, on what we covered today, so what does love NFT have in store for the remainder of the year as far as projects, conferences, milestones, goals, you name it. Great question. Um, I, I think that, creating the blueprints of, of, of how these industries will utilize NFT specifically is our goal. Um, we're past the point of theory, you know, and everybody keeps on talking about how it will be used, but we're in the space of creating these, these new blueprints of how to monetize uh, your products and services with NFTs um, to answer the question, how does this benefit me today? Because the masses are numb to hearing this these theories, they want to know how does it make my business better? How does this make, you know, how, how do I earn from this right now? You know, this is a simple question that everybody wants to understand. They don't want to understand the technology. They don't care about, you know, how the latest and greatest, uh, you know, protocols and, and things that we care about in the Web3 space. They only want to understand is how does this better make my business better ultimately so creating uh, blueprints in, in regards to uh, you being able to uh, utilize NFTs for your podcast and monetize, you know, your your uh, your guests and, and people who watch your podcast with your NFTs. These are new ways to uh, monetize your business. But this is how, you know, somebody utilizing YouTube and being reliant on 500,000 views to generate a thousand dollars. You know, this will make people wake up to say, yeah, I'm spending too much time on Web2 trying to monetize my my followers and, and customers in a way where you can um, make the equivalent of that amount of money in a day, a, a two days, or auction your services and create instant crypto capital. This is what 
not being explained to the masses. And this is why they still utilize Web2 to monetize their you know, business. Um, so until they understand how to monetize their business on Web3, will they onboard to Web3? Very well said. Well, I have to say, this has to be among the highest of high fives as far as episode goes. I feel like I just went through the matrix and learned Kung Fu in 30 seconds. So <laughs> listen, Haas, Wizard of Haas, thank you very much for coming on to the show today. We really uh, went through the matrix as far as Web3 and metaphysics today. And, you know, some of these things that are going to be the ingredients and, you know, bedrock for making this, you know, making this, you know, industry, you know, work. In fact, I think this would almost be like a, his a history and philosophy lesson in one hour with Haas. That's, that's what I should probably call this episode. So listen, Haas, thank you so much for coming on today. You know, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what else you have in store for, with Love NFT and your other projects, you know, for the remainder of this year. And I would say to anybody, whatever you do, be sure as far as whatever fire and fuel you have inside of you, make sure it is backed by a value, a tangible, you know, outward metaphysical type of aim to this. You know, I think life is not simply just what's exactly in front of you. And that's why people are kind of always in search of things that are greater, things with like greater purposes and greater meaning. And I think that does, in fact, correlate to Web3. I think that's why many of us are here. We see a better future. We want to create a better future. You know, and that's why, uh, you know, people like Haas, the Wizard of Haas, Terry, many of my guests, they come on the show to express how they want to do that. So, again, Haas, Wizard of Haas, thanks again for coming on. I think this is really enlightening. Like I said, I think we both just went through the matrix today. <laughs> On, on a lot of these things. So I, I think this was an absolutely uh, awesome episode. Thanks for having me. I look Thank forward you. to uh, future episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be I'll be a knock and don't worry. So, you know, I'm looking forward to having you back on in the near future. All right. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll, enjoy your day and I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. You too. Bye.